0: Listening to the Red Seat Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton Derosier. It's a grand slam. Welcome back to another episode of the Over the Monster podcast. This is episode number nine, our last in single digits. Uh, It is me, Matt Collins, as always. I am with Jake Devereaux for the third straight week. I think we're on a different day, but you know what? That's life. Sometimes we have to schedule different days. But we are with you for the week. Uh, Jake, how's everything going with you?
1: Yeah, pretty good. Uh, No complaints um, other than... Uh, my fantasy team's all falling apart, but uh, you know that that doesn't matter so much with uh, Red Sox baseball. I'm just uh, excited to. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm excited. <laughs> are are you excited? Red Sox. I don't, I don't think I'm not. think
0: i am i am not all that excited. But
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not excited about anything right now. But um, you know, I'll, I'll try and I'll try and pump myself up. I'm excited
0: about. We'll get into the main topic of our podcast, which we'll get into. <laughs> Soon enough, I'm fairly excited about, but before we get to that, there's a little bit of news, um, as has been the theme for the last few weeks, nothing really all that interesting. Uh, Darwinson Hernandez has been on the IL, um, I don't even remember, since the end of August, I believe, right at the trade deadline, he got put on there uh, with the strained SC joint. Believe's believe it's in the shoulder, still not looking that up, uh, but the Red Sox are saying he's going to come back. Um, they believe he's going to come back. I don't think they've been fully, fully committal, but they're at least saying for now that he's going to come back. I kind of feel like he should just get shut down.
1: Uh, what say you? Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, I wouldn't mess with this at all. I don't understand why you'd want to bring him back. It's it, To me, it's a little bit of a different situation than the one with Nate Ivaldi, where, like, you kind of, you know, he wants to get out there. It wasn't an arm thing. Probably wants to get some work. Um, With Darwin's in, like, just get the guy healthy. Uh, You need him in the bullpen for next year. This bullpen is a dumpster fire, and they didn't actually find that many usable pieces this offseason, and everybody's on the IL, so, like, I don't – and honestly – it's in your best interest to have pitchers who suck right now because we want that uh, that Kumar Rocker or that, that Jack Lighter. I'm i st- I'm still not rooting for losses, but I know I'm on an island there and I don't I don't pre anybody rooting
0: for losses, but as someone who has to sit there and watch the game every day, I just I can't mentally go down that road or else I will lose my mind. But as far as Hernandez goes, I think the situation with him is just even more unique because he never got to get going he had he had tested positive for COVID um, when everybody was reporting back in late June early July whenever that was and so he got off to a late start obviously he just never looked like he was fully prepared for the season I don't know if they just rushed along or if I mean obviously recovering from COVID is no joke and so I don't think he ever really got it going and I don't want to push him to this place where he has to go try and get ready to pitch for, like, two or three appearances in a season that doesn't matter, especially with the shoulder issue. I, I just don't see the upside here at all.
1: Yeah, I guess unless, in, in you know, the injury was you know, much less severe than – uh, they thought, you know, maybe maybe it was a situation, just speculating here, this is just the only explanation I can think of, is that it was much less severe, maybe something that he wouldn't even have really gone on the IL for um, have had the team been competing and maybe they were just extra cautious um, for a long time and he just might be super duper ready to go back like 100% healthy, uh, and that's the only way I could see that kind of making sense. I don't know if he wasn't
0: he may not have been really hurt but he definitely wasn't if he wasn't hurt then he just wasn't built up at all because his velocity was down a few miles an hour um so even if he wasn't hurt though i still don't really want i don't like the idea of pushing hard and just like because i don't want even if he's if he even if he wasn't hurt if he's over does things just to get back in time for a few appearances that could lead to an injury and it's just that's the last thing they need so i i get that he wants to go back out there but like you said i feel like this is definitely different than Evaldi, and i would just shut it down and have him work in the winter if he feels good enough to pitch and if they have like venezuelan winter leagues or dominican or whatever he wants to pitch in latin america um that would be a different story but right now to do it in the short term i don't really get it
1: yeah, we'll let him pitch in the Puerto Rican League, too, if he
0: wants. Yeah, which I mean, whichever one of the – I don't know which ones are happening or not happening. Or yeah, I have no idea. Um, let's see. Andrew Triggs went to the IL to make room for Tanner Houck, um, Kyle Hart. She got shut down for the rest of the season uh, to make room on the 40-man. Um, I can't imagine you have anything to say about any of
1: that. <laughs> Just that uh, when I was podcasting with Keaton two days ago on the Red Seat, I finally figured out why the name Andrew Triggs was like ringing a bell for me um, because I followed him very peripherally um, when he was with the A's. and Andrew I just... Triggs was a
0: big deal in the fantasy community. I was writing about fantasy at that point uh, for PP. He was a very, very, like, if you wanted to be smart, you were in on Andrew Triggs.
1: Yeah, and and that's actually what I remembered um, when I was talking to Keaton, but I hadn't actually put together that this was the same guy um, (laughs) as that um, until recently because I just hadn't been paying attention to all the fungible uh, crappy relievers they'd been bringing up. So I just, yeah, just kind of missed it. And, uh, yeah, just... A little bummed out that he's he's going down but it really doesn't matter yeah he, team. he he hasn't looked like that since i don't remember what year that was 2015 2016
0: whatever that was um yeah, yeah the only thing i'll have to say about this it really has nothing to do with any of the players but the red sox are driving me insane they announced the moves to make room for tanner hawk yesterday at six thirty. the game started at six forty. they announced their <laughs> lineups at like six twenty. um it really doesn't matter but i don't i I don't know what they're doing you can't just do that i don't know it's really (laughs) annoying that every team in baseball can come out with their lineups like two at least two hours beforehand and the red sox they've been doing this a lot lately i i i just i don't like it at all and it makes my job more difficult and i don't like that but that is
1: something that nobody else would care about but it is seriously grinding my gears yeah, it is annoying. I agree. I, I mean, I was looking to see who was in the lineup at six o'clock, and it was still not out. Yeah, it's like, the game started at six forty. I don't know. I I just wish.
0: I, and it seems like nobody, none of the beat writers were pushing them on it. Which I guess maybe they know the reason they just didn't save it. Like that would be the first thing I asked after the game. It's like, what the fuck took you guys so long?
1: Where are you? <laughs> but there should be a universal rule. Like I think, in less of something. Like there should be.
0: Yeah, I think. There might be, Gabe Kapler has talked about, like, not um, kind of being cagey about that, too. It's like, come on, because we really need that much of a competitive advantage. Just release the lineup. Be normal. Um, Last bit of news, Jonathan Lucroy was released. This one kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I kind of figured right away it had to be his call. I figured he just wanted to go home, which I certainly would not have blamed him for. But apparently that wasn't it. Uh, He got a job with the Phillies today. Um, this was, I believe, the last day. He got in right before the deadline for players to be eligible for the postseason roster. The Phillies have been dealing with uh, some injury issues with JT Realmuto; He hasn't played in almost a week, so I don't know how serious that is. I don't know what the actual possibilities are of Luke Roy getting onto the postseason roster, but I certainly certainly understand his reasoning. He has a chance to maybe play in the playoffs. Um, I don't know if you have any insight into the Phillies' situation at Rio Muto. I don't know how serious that injury is.
1: Yeah, I don't really have any insight into that. Um, I just assume that they wanted to add a little bit of depth. Um, and like you said, uh, I'm sure it was his choice, and I don't blame him at all. I, I think Lucroy I fully expected to come here and get an opportunity, and I don't really feel like he got a great opportunity, and it's been clear that Ploiecki was the right choice on how he's played all season long. So Red Sox made the right choice as well, but now their catching depth at the alternate site looks quite a bit better with uh, Davy Grillon as well added to this mix, along with Centeno and Bandy and Peralta. and have a and, billion uh, catchers down there. Yeah, they really do. Um, so yeah, I think it's good for everybody, probably. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I wonder, they now obviously have an open spot in the player pool. I'm assuming they're just going to leave that empty. Um, I don't know that it's really worth bringing somebody up for like a week, but maybe they want to get a look at somebody. We'll see what happens there. I don't know if you think differently than that.
1: I don't know who they'd really bring up, unless it's somebody who is you know, in need of maybe getting a look uh, who hasn't I don't know, maybe like Yohan Ibar? Yeah,
0: I was thinking about him. I've really surprised Thad Ward never got the call. Yeah. I always thought that he should, but at this point I don't know really know what it would do, but I just it seems like he's kind of become a forgotten man and I know there's only a limited amount of spots, I don't know that I would put him on over anybody, maybe like Steven Gonsalves or something something like that, but um Yeah, I don't think, at this point, I don't think it's worth it. I don't know what happens to these guys after the season either. I don't know. I'm assuming they haven't said anything about, because at some point they were talking about, like, an expanded sort of Arizona Fall League type thing. I don't know if that's still a possibility or not. I haven't heard anything about that.
1: Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, I don't know. Major League Baseball has been very hard at work trying to iron out things with the Minor leagues for next year, so maybe that just got pushed to the back burner.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's probably not the best idea, anyways. But I don't think they really care about the best ideas. Uh, but yeah, so that's yeah. all that is in the news with the Red Sox. Um, but on Tuesday night, we finally got a little bit of excitement in the season. Uh, Tanner Houck made his major league debut. Uh, Tanner Hoke was the 2017 first-round pick by the Red Sox. Uh, first pick made in the Dave Dombrowski era. Um, one of the, I think he's top ten pretty much everywhere in the system by pretty much all the rankings, if not top ten, very, not very far outside that. Um, he was very good. Uh, in, he was in Miami against the Marlins. Uh, pitched 5, shutout innings, gave up 2 hits, both of them were singles, walked 3, struck out 7. Um, by game score, which I'm not a big game score guy, but just I was curious about this so I looked it up this morning, uh, this was the 3rd best start by a Red Sox pitcher this year. Um, which, wow. I think it probably says more about the Red Sox starting pitching, that a 5-inning start was their 3rd best start of the season, but figure that i throw that out there it was also by game score the only one among the top nine starts that weren't nathan avaldi or martin perez Um, so it was just a breath of fresh air to see a guy that had actual quality stuff um, and was actually effective against a marlins lineup that is not great they're in the bottom half of the league by WRC+. plus, But they've got some hitters there, and they've got some talented lefties, and that was the biggest issue with how uh, throughout his minor league career was getting out lefties. So um, all in all, it was a very impressive first look, and the first exciting thing that has happened to the Red Sox in a while, especially on the pitching side. Um, so that's going to be the thing we talk about the most today. And to get us started, just quickly one sentence, maybe a little more just overall, Impressions from the start. He looked calm. He did look calm. Um, I no, I think that's a that's a good point. Um, I wrote about that a little bit today. He was incredibly poised, and I think I am so. I feel like I'm. I'm kind of going a little crazy with this because I haven't really seen anybody else talking about it. I can't believe first step out of the game, Corey Dickinson um, just hit a little base hit into left field. It was just a normal base hit. And he just <laughs> inexplicably went for second base. Yeah, I uh, made no got sense. Got thrown out very easily. I wonder what changes if he just stays at first base. If Houck has to deal with a base runner right away, right to start, especially with a lefty, he couldn't get the lefty out. I just, I don't. Know what Dickerson was doing, but I feel like I mean Hauk looked poised enough the rest of the way that maybe it wouldn't affected him. But I feel like that helped a tremendous amount to be able to get that first guy and get that gift of an out and be like, all right, I got one out under my belt.
1: I can go from here. I just I feel like Dickerson gave Hauk a gift there. I completely agree, and Eck talked about that a bunch on the broadcast uh, too. Uh, see, I didn't uh, have
0: the I was I had the Celtics in my ears during the game, so I didn't have any volume on the broadcast.
1: Yeah, he brought it up a couple times, just, you know, how weird the play was, but, you know, how much that that probably helped him. And just looking back, and it's very easy for things to unravel. And I feel like, especially for a starting pitcher, before you get your rhythm and, you know, they were all the guys were talking about it, he must have been feeling crazy jitters, even though he looked calm, um, making his first, you know, major league start. I mean, I thought it was his first major league start, but then I looked up and... He has apparently come into a game in uh, October. Did he play in the playoffs or something? I what? This was confusing to me. How? So, yeah. No, this is his he, debut. This was his debut, right? Yeah. So, for some reason, Brooks Baseball has another start listed for him. They
0: might have. Um, I don't. They might have data from the. I forget what it was called that international tournament because he was on that oh. team with Dalbeck and Noah Song um, this past winter, oh. so they might have gotten data
1: from some of those stadiums. Well, it was listed for uh, October 8th, yeah, 2019. That's
0: when they were, Yeah, that's when they, they got started um, in October, so I would assume okay. that's what it was. Or the Arizona Fall League. I don't know if he pitched in the Arizona Fall League, but
1: they do get data from the Arizona Fall did. League. So it could have been one of those two. Anyway, that threw me off because I was like, "I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure this was yeah, his MLB no, this debut." Was stadium, yeah. yeah, so I mean, just just thinking about that, I do think you're absolutely right that that could have drastically changed the course of the game. Maybe it doesn't do anything, but in all likelihood, I'd say it's a better than fifty percent chance the outcome's different if Dickerson doesn't run like a donkey. Yeah, I, I could. It is
0: Corey Dickerson too. I mean, Dickerson's not totally unathletic, but he is not like. Like the only like Byron Buxton was basically the only guy who should be going for that move. It just it was so weird. It was just a bizarre yeah. decision.
1: It was really weird.
0: Um, so I guess taking Oh, I skipped something. Uh so he only went five innings. He threw eighty six pitches. Uh he entered the fifth with seventy seven, so it kind of always seemed like the fifth was gonna be his last inning. Uh, but only needed nine pitches to get through that fifth. That was his second nine-pitch inning of the day, too, so a couple of very quick innings. Um, But he may have been able to go more than five. There's an argument he should have been left out there. Were you good with him coming out in the fifth?
1: Yeah, I thought it was the right move. Um, By that time, it was clear to me that he had thrown all of the pitches he was comfortable throwing, um, and he had... Just worked around the bottom of the lineup, I believe, uh, to get the outs and Dickerson the was his last
0: out so, Dickerson was the uh, leadoff man
1: so yeah, so he he worked through the bottom and then got to Dickerson so yeah, I thought that was kind of the perfect spot to um, take him out of because you know some of the other hitters I think next time around could have potentially given him a run for his money um, and we saw in the start. He was basically working four-seam slider most of the first part of the game and then really started mixing in the sinker pretty heavy in the second part. So he really didn't have any more clubs in his bag uh, because it became clear to me that he was not going to throw that splitter that he's been working on. Yeah, it wasn't, didn't come up very often. Um, I agree. I
0: think um, as much as I was saying before that I'm still rooting for wins, obviously there's other things that need to be kept in mind, and with Houk it is not about his numbers in 2020, it's just about getting him his footing in the league and getting him some confidence, and the Red Sox have not had a guy debut and be able to leave with confidence since Eduardo Rodriguez, which was like six years ago. Um, So I agree that there was some trouble coming um, between what you were talking about with this pitch mix and, yeah, the splitter. Well, I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, Also, his fastball velocity was kind of dipping as the start was going on. He was down to like 91, 92, um, a few 93s over that last inning. So it seemed like trouble was brewing the third time through the order. And so just getting him out of there with some confidence just felt like a huge win. Um, and I, you're, you can only be as confident until you get out there and he's facing the Yankees next, which that's going to be a tough match and we'll see how that confidence works. But, um, yeah, I think there's there was really... I didn't really see the benefit of giving him an extra inning.
1: Yeah, I didn't either. Great move, taking him out. And it seemed like... Tanner Houck went in there with a very clear game plan, um, and that's one thing that I'm kind of impressed about from the Red Sox. Uh, whether this was the pitching coach or Christian Vasquez and Houck, probably some combination of all, but I think they all did a really good job of executing it and making sure that they weren't exposing anything he wasn't un- he was uncomfortable doing. Um, and he, you know, he he looked like he was. Confident, even shaking off Christian Vasquez a few times when he wanted to throw a different offering. So I was, I was overall encouraged. Uh, so what were you most impressed with? I was most impressed with the fact that the slider um, played to lefties too, uh, and that maybe speaks to the quality of the lefties on. The Pawtucket team. I'm not the Pawtucket. Jesus, Um, the uh, Miami. (laughs) Miami. Um, I've been thinking about him at Pawtucket for so long. I don't know why. That just Freudian slip. But uh, yeah, I was impressed with the the shape of that pitch, and I was also impressed with the fact that he could make it a frisbee slider, but he could also make it break just a little bit. Um, And having kind of a couple different variations of that pitch, and then seemed like a few different variations in the ability to um, change the velo of his fastball a little bit made me more comfortable because you know he does have a limited pitch mix but he gets the most out of the pitch mix that he has by being able to manipulate those pitches and it's clear that he's very comfortable with them so I think that plays up a little bit more than some guys who don't have the comfort level. And, and, you know, this is talked about a lot with pitcher development, but the fastball being a good pitch for him is just such a benefit for everything else kind of falling into place eventually. Um, And I do think he's in a much better spot to be a starting pitcher than I previously had thought based on this. All right,
0: well, we'll get into that last part um, in a minute because I'm interested in that. But I agree with you about the the point you made about the limited mix, but being able to do more with that. Um, at the risk of making an insane comparison, and I'm not making this comparison, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's it's a lot like Chris Sale. Obviously, Tanner Hoke is not Chris Sale. I'm not saying he's ever going to be Chris Sale, because he's not, but that's what Chris Sale does. Um, and Chris Sale a lot of times, or a lot of games, is a two-pitch guy. But he has, like, five different varieties of his fastball, and he can do all these different things with the slider. And he's the master of the back foot slider to the opposite hand. Obviously, sail thrust from the other side. But, um, I mean, that's that's what Houck is really has really been missing with the slider, is being able to get that to the back foot of lefties, because that's how you get those guys out. And, yeah, he did throw a few of those that kind of came out of nowhere to me. It was, his slider is definitely the most impressive pitch. I don't think there's much argument against it. I mean, that thing is nasty, um, and that is the reason why so many people thought that even if he can't work as a starter, he can be a very good late-inning reliever, mostly because of that slider. I mean, that just is... that screams late-innings, that slider. Um, and I thought his fastball was a little bit inconsistent I wasn't I was super impressed by some of them I mean he got that one with Aguilar that was going around Twitter um Aguilar made the face after that pitch was disgusting um but he had a few more that were just totally non-competitive just command was way off but the slider I mean they weren't all perfect but for the most part that pitch was just that that was a big league pitch that was one of the best pitches we've seen from any Red Sox pitcher this year
1: yeah I agree Totally agree with that. Um, I think the fastball, though, uh, I wasn't as down on it as it sounds like you are. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to assume you thought it was a bad pitch for him. Um, but
0: i give it a I th- C plus, B minus.
1: I guess I'd be probably a little higher. I'd give his fastball a solid B. He wasn't afraid to go inside on guys with it occasionally. Um, and he could work the... Velocity up pretty good. He had some thump on it. And it's not like he had to be one of these guys who's always trying to work the corners with that pitch. Like, he would come at guys with it occasionally. Um, But I thought he did a really nice job of spotting it on the outside of the zone, too. Sometimes. I don't think he he got a great zone, though, from from the ump. There was a couple calls that were fairly egregious. There were a couple that were bad.
0: And that gets back to the poise, actually. I'm glad you brought that up, because there was one specifically to brian anderson that was one of the worst ball calls i've ever seen Um, i mean that thing
1: was down the pipe yeah
0: that was a terrible call um but and he came back to get a strikeout in that and a lot of rookies understandably would kind of let that unravel them um
1: but i thought he veterans would too yeah for
0: sure um i thought he got a good amount of pitches a good amount of the 50 50 pitches to go his way though i wasn't that, that pitch was bad. I guess I don't really remember any others that stood out to me. I thought I do remember a couple on the edge that I thought probably should have been balls that went his way. Overall, I didn't think the zone played much of a factor. And the fastball, I don't want to sound like I was totally down with fastball because, I mean, I obviously the potential is there for that to be a very good pitch, and I am assuming even if he ends up as a reliever that fastball is going to be an important weapon, and I'm confident in it just in this outing there were there were a bunch that I thought just totally got away. It just went way out of the zone um and also I was a little i don't know if concerned is the right word, but I was the velocity ticking down by the fourth inning um definitely stood out to me and I don't know if it was just the adrenaline was going. I would assume that played in it the adrenaline was going really early on, and he was just really firing him in there for the first couple innings, and then it kind of got away from him earlier than usual. This isn't like something I'm super concerned about long-term, but it's definitely something I'll be
1: watching for going forward. That's interesting, because I didn't even really worry about that at all. Um, I know that they even brought it up on the broadcast a little bit, but to me, the pitches, although they were losing velocity, it didn't look to me like they were losing that much this. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's something to be said for pacing because in his final inning that he pitched he did get a fastball up to 94 in that final inning so it's not like he didn't have the juice to go get it when he needed it but also like I I thought he was doing a pretty good job mixing in his two seamer which is a lower velocity pitch um and like velo is just it's important but it's not the most important thing to me, um, so I guess I'm I'm not concerned. He seems like a big-bodied guy who should be able to hold up. It's something I I'm not super concerned about, but it's something I'm
0: aware of for a guy who it's unclear if he's going to be a starter reliever, and that's and a guy that is largely a two-pitch guy. So when fifty yeah. percent of those pitches get less effective even if velocity isn't everything it's something and so if it goes down a little bit and like i said i'm not this isn't something first start is always going to be a little weird with the adrenaline and also this entire year is so weird with pitchers building their arm up so this isn't like i don't want to make it sound like i'm hitting the panic button with this fastball or anything um it's just that was something that stood out to me
1: yeah that's fair um he his pitch mix was really interesting though the he chose two innings to throw a ton of sinkers he threw 14 of them in the second inning and a whopping 17 in the fourth where he was la- uh laboring quite a bit yeah, he threw um, a lot of pitches in those things so yeah it was it's interesting that he goes to that more when he is feeling it and you know, I didn't really notice his change-ups. He they threw a bunch of changeups. Ones. They were bad Yeah, not good. like... That was what I was going to talk about next.
0: Um, his splitter looked like it was a new pitch. He threw... I, I don't think he threw that many. I think he threw, like, seven or eight. Um, but there was one
1: that was good. They just seemed too firm when he did throw them. Um, he doesn't have great velocity separation on the pitch. It's like... Eighty-eight, and his fastball is like usually ninety-three ish, so it's it's not that big of a gap. And honestly, there's just not a lot of movement. Yeah, if he's getting the
0: movement, I think that's enough differential on the velocity. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not. He did throw. Sorry, go. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say I'm not. I'm not super worried about the velocity. I can. I can deal with an eighty-seven to ninety-three change if that split's actually acting as a splitter. Because he threw one, there was, like I said, there was one good one I think it was to Dickerson um, and he it dropped right below the zone and Dickerson kind of got out ahead of it and just hit a really weak line drive to shortstop that was a really mm-hmm. nice pitch um, unfortunately that was the only one that was even close to the zone or close to being uh, a competitive pitch
1: yeah, it just I think that goes to show that this splitter that he's working on is truly like towards the infantile stages of being worked out because to go to his change up at all in this offering shows me that, you know, for a pitch that we've known isn't very good for a while for him to go to that as much as he did, and it's not like he went to it a ton, but he went to it enough when he needed something different. You know, it's it's so clear that there's still a lot to be figured out here. Um, but one of his pitches of the night was a cutter that I don't think he actually intended to throw. I think he was trying to take uh, or trying to throw a firmer slider, um, one of those ones that we were talking about, kind of a back foot slider to a lefty, and he ended up throwing like a cutter because it registered. And I remember the broadcast talking about it too. And I was like, "Wow, I didn't know he had that pitch. Um, so I don't know if he, he really... I don't think like, that was
0: supposed... To, I don't think that was a cutter.
1: I don't I don't... think he e- just
0: registered weird? Yeah, I... I, uh... Yeah, I don't really... That was on Brooks? Yeah, I think they'll change that. Because Brooks uses, um... Brooks uses just, like, flight path and things like that. And then they will go back and they will... Like research the pitcher and see what he has. Um, I'm on Baseball Savant for whatever that's worth. It's not showing any
1: cutters. But so his scouting report is the did it, he does have a cutter? You know he's he's really I don't had think a cutter, cutter in the past. I don't think
0: I've ever heard of him throwing a cutter, but that is news to me. Yeah,
1: so like I'm looking at his report right here on fan graphs and they had him as a 55 current current value cutter. So it has been a pitch that he's thrown. I I think it's a different slider. So do you think that pitch is the slider that we are talking about that just doesn't break a lot, not his Frisbee slider, his other one? Yeah, I think so. Okay, because that would make a lot more sense that it's two variations of the slider rather than the cutter because it's just not firm enough to be a true cutter for a guy who throws as fast as he does.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's yeah, I think it's exactly what you're saying like we were talking about. He just has different okay. kinds of sliders. That's that's some of the that's part of the problems with these pitch classification systems that it's just it, some of these pitches like morph into one another at a certain point.
1: Well, then we can't really say that he's a two-pitch guy. Yeah, it's, because it's he's a really very, a four-pitch guy. Sort of,
0: but yeah. I mean, you're not totally wrong, but I guess it, the number of pitches isn't as big of an issue for Houk as just none of them have been able to get lefties. But if that slider plays like yeah. it did at times in that game, that's a huge that's a huge development.
1: Right. That that uh, more firm slider or whatever it is. Yeah, it's, whatever we wanna call it. It's got some potential. For sure. Um so yeah, so he's definitely going to start the
0: rest of the way. There's only two weeks left in the season about. Um, he is starting next Sunday against the Yankees that is going to be a major challenge Yankees have been turning it on lately after struggling for a little while they're getting Aaron Judge back today they just got Giancarlo Stan back Um, so that is one that I am really looking forward to see how he does I'm not super confident but um, this is a test and I mean this is Part of why you call him up now to see what he has. I don't think we're gonna make any sweeping judgments based on what he does against this Yankees lineup. But um, yeah, I it is quite the change from the Marlins. And the Marlins are a playoff team, but their offense doesn't have a ton of star power though.
1: Yeah. Uh, over under on three home runs allowed in that Yankees game. Is, by Huck. Is that Fenway?
0: Uh, I don't it's know. up Fenway. I'm gonna say under. I Think you could give up uh, a lot of
1: wall balls, but um, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the over. All right. well, so not that I'm down on the guy. No, I just, the, the Yankees that can do that to anybody. That's not against. Yeah, I just think they could lift some of, the, especially that sinker. I think it's going to be very vulnerable to being lifted out.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I think I kind of just want to be optimistic because I'm not optimistic about anything in the world right now. Uh, So it's a (laughs) nice feeling.
1: Uh,
0: So looking forward, you alluded to this a little bit earlier. I want to talk about 2021, and I want to talk about beyond. um, Okay. His, yeah, just what his future looks like, what his role, what you think his role is. Is Did that start change your mind both for 2021 and going forward?
1: So I've been changing my mind on him because the reports about the splitter have been okay. Um, And generally, I think the Red Sox do a pretty good job of getting guys to have workable offerings at things they're not good at. And I'm confident that the major league staff will be able to get him a pitch that works against lefties. And I think his stuff is good enough to be a starter with the two pitches that he has, he's clearly good enough against righties. Um, and the bottom line is he's, even if he doesn't get that pitch and he has to throw a pretty crappy changeup every once in a while to a lefty, I still think he's a better option than anyone else that they have. Like, if I have to pick next year between having a fifth roster spot uh, in the rotation go to uh, Pavetta or Hauk. Like, that's not a choice for me at all. I'm giving it to Halk. I hope that's, um,
0: I would hope the choice would be, like, a free agent or something. But...
1: Yeah, but, like, you know, there's a good chance that Halk has to fill a position next year in the starting rotation, and I would feel much better than that than a lot of free agents and certainly almost everybody in the Red Sox system.
0: Yeah, I'm not as optimistic about his ability to start as you. Um, I think I'm more worried. I think that splitter is more important than you seem to think it is. And I less, I don't, I, I know the Red Sox have had some good development stories in the upper minors, but I don't remember them getting an off speed pitch for anybody. Like Eduardo Rodriguez had that change up. Um, so I think it's hard to develop that and I tend to err on the side of it's not going to work. Um, with that, that said, I am more willing to use him as a starter for next year and continue the trial, uh, for a little bit longer. I would prefer him be a sixth starter and start the year in Patuggan and, um, try and use develop that splitter against minor league hitters more um i wouldn't want him in the opening day rotation unless i mean obviously injuries can change that um beyond that though i still think he's a reliever i will say i am more confident than i was in him being an outstanding reliever um that slider like i was talking about before just looked like the, a slider that you see from a late inning guy um and that fastball especially if he can like play that up in the bullpen and get that up 96 every time he goes out there, that's a sick combo. So, um I want to see more from that splitter before I really buy into him as a starter, but um like I said, I'm I'm willing to push it into next year. I just would want it to be in Pawtucket to start the year if everything goes according to plan.
1: That is
0: very fair. Uh so he's the last prospect we see this year, right? Yeah. yeah. Totally. The, the only other potential excitement would be uh, Nick Pavetta, who we'll see if he starts. I I think he's going to start on Saturday. They have, that's speculation. Uh, they haven't announced that. But um, apparently he, they get an extra year of service if they hold him down through Friday. And apparently we're manipulating service time for literally Nick Pavetta, which is just driving me up a wall that is even being discussed. I don't know if that's the actual reason, but uh, if he comes out, like, if he comes up to start on Saturday, then I think it's pretty clear that they were manipulating service time, and I might absolutely lose my mind that I had to watch, like, Chris Mazza and Mike Kickham and all these guys make starts because they wanted an extra year
1: of Nick Pavetta. I mean, why not, though? Like, you have three days until you get an extra year of Pavetta? Like, well, they could have It's not going to help earlier, anybody to bring him off. I think there's an obligation to
0: put the best team out there. He's not. He's not part of the best team. With
1: this roster, he's absolutely he's absolutely a better option than the guys they've been throwing out there to start. Agree to disagree. There, I don't have any confidence that he is anything.
0: I don't really think so either. But I feel that way about most of the Red Sox pitchers.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're probably right uh, about most of them sucking, but Pavetta also sucks. And it's just so. why, I don't know. I, I'm not going to get angry about manipulating literally one of the worst pitchers in baseball.
0: But doesn't that make it even years. worse?
1: I don't know. I just feel like it's gone too far. I, the whole service time thing is just my biggest pet <laughs> peeve in baseball anyways. I get that, but I just don't think this has... I don't think this is the thing to get angry about. No, I'm going to get angry about it.
0: I, I'm <laughs> i angry about almost everything. So, you know, well. Which brings us to uh, the playoffs, which I'm also angry about. Uh, Red Sox are not going to be in the playoffs. I'm sorry if I'm the one who has to break that news to you. Uh, but they are mm, not going to be in there. I'm very sorry, Jake. Um, but I still wanted to talk a little bit about what we learned about the playoffs, uh, both this year and moving forward. Uh, So this year, they agreed on the bubble sites. Uh, The American League is going to be playing in Southern California. Um, They are where the Dodgers and Padres Parks Uh, National League is in Houston and uh, the Rangers and the World Series will be in the Rangers New Park Park. so the big news with the playoff schedule is that there are no days off in any of the series except the World Series. So the wild card round is a best of three this year. That will be three straight days. And then the division series will be five straight days if they play off five games, obviously. The um, LCSs will be seven straight days. What?
1: How do you feel about that? I feel like Belichick would love it. No days off. Well, that's one. <laughs> Ugh, God damn it. You work. You walked into that one. Sorry, man. Um, I don't think that I did. Yeah, I think it's kind of crazy that they're doing no days off. I get the idea of why they are doing this, but also like uh, it seems kind of nuts. But um yeah, I I don't know, man. I don't know what to think of this. I kind of like. I think it. it's a, it's a good idea to keep them safer, but like, what is your confidence? I don't think it's being any sort of a bubble. Oh, I, the bubble, we'll get to the bubble
0: in a second, uh, because it's not a bubble, but um, (laughs) the no days off thing, that obviously would not work any other time because you have travel days and that's when the days off come. There's no traveling here. But I kind of like the idea that playoff baseball is going to be closer to regular baseball in that you have to use your depth. You can't just use, like, four pitchers, your four best pitchers, and go. Um, I can see why people wouldn't like that. I can see why people wouldn't want to be seeing, like, the seventh and eighth best pitchers on a roster in the playoffs, and I think that's a totally valid way of looking at it. But I am a very strange person, and I love the depth guys. And so – I think it's cool that they're actually going to play a role. I think it's cool that we're probably going to see starts from the backup catchers in important playoff games. Again, I totally understand why people wouldn't like this, but I think it's a neat little twist to a season that's already insane. So why not just make it insane?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm here for crazy, so... 2020, just bring it on, man. I don't have any strong opinions on. Yeah, this, I'm honestly. not super
0: strong on it. Just that's. I think if I had to pick a side, I would say that I, I like it more. I think I'm probably in the
1: minority. Um, as far as you love that attrition, huh? You just want to see. I, I like whoever the, out there. I
0: like like the bottom of the uh, roster guys, especially on a playoff team.
1: Those are like actual. Those would be like the best players on the Red Sox. Um, you do realize this favors the team you hate most. Oh, I know. The Rays the are absolutely going to win
0: the World Series. But
1: yeah, but uh, we get to just talk about how it doesn't count. And I'm
0: only going to say that if the Rays win. I don't actually <laughs> believe that. But if, if the Rays win, then I'm totally on the it-doesn't-count side.
1: All right.
0: All right. Um, as far as the bubble goes, yeah, it's not a bubble. We're getting way too loose with the term bubble here. They're literally in different cities. Like the Dodgers and the Padres, that is not a, that is a massive bubble. You have to travel. So that's not a bubble. Also Rob Manfred is trying to get fans into these games, not a bubble. Um, the fan thing is driving me insane. I, I just, if you're gonna, I, the whole point of the bubble is to make sure that everything is as safe as possible and you don't have any scares and baseball has obviously had their share of scares through the season. Um, it's it's kind of gross to me that they're even talking about letting fans in.
1: Yeah, I don't quite understand uh, why they're doing that, but you know, like, it's uh, at least it's not as bad as Florida State football. Yeah, well, hopefully, <laughs> we hope. I mean, there are so many idiotic things going on around mm-hmm. here. Uh, Major League Baseball's. Fan plan is less idiotic than a lot of the other dumb things, and still wrong.
0: I think the biggest, my biggest issue with it is calling it a bubble, and then like in. It's just that's not a bubble. It's the the word Correct. bubble. I think is what I'm getting stuck on. We are we need to take back the word bubble. It has gone off the rails. Um. So the th- thought was that the 16 team playoffs were going to be just for the pandemic. Uh, But I think most of us probably knew that this was not going to be the case. Rob Manfred and the league obviously wants a lot of playoff games. It's a lot of revenue. Uh, Manfred said that they are most likely going to continue with this expanded format beyond the season. Uh, Before we get into what we think about that, um, I feel like the thing that nobody's really talked about is that the players have to approve that. Are the players really just going to go along with that? I don't
1: really see that. No, the players have no incentive to give the league anything because the league has repeatedly given the players nothing. So I don't see how they could assume that unless they're ready to make a big concession to the players right off the bat.
0: yeah. I think that's I, I think it I think it will ultimately happen, but uh, the players will get something. I don't know if it'll be um, changed to arbitration structure, service time, free agency but I, yeah, the players, I can't imagine the players are going to just go along with it. Um, but so
1: now let's get into it. Do you, what do you think about all this? About having expanded playoffs yeah. next year? Yeah. I hate it's it. It's the worst. I hate it. I hate it a lot. It's stupid. Baseball is great. Um, partially because of how difficult it is to make the playoffs. And because, you know, one sixty two matters. Um, A lot of these games are important. We've seen some amazing pennant races over the last few years that have come down to the last day of the season or even an extra game, a game 163. Uh, This cheapens the experience. It gives more excuses for owners to act badly, in my opinion. Um, And I am not here for it at all. I hate it.
0: Yeah, there's really no incentive under the system to be more than like an 82-win team. Um, no, And I think if they go through with it, and again, I think this is going to happen, um, they need to figure out a way, and I still won't like it, but it'll be better. They need to figure out a way to give the division winners a massive advantage, um, likely in the form of a bye, um, which I think you could do if you do, I guess, like the NFL-type system, um, figure that out. I mean, some way to give the division winners a bye because if you're not fighting for a division um like the Rays right now, if this was a hundred sixty two game season, the Rays would have no reason to really try for a hundred games.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um I just realized how angry this makes me. It sucks.
0: It's really it's uh, it's I mean somebody said this to me on Twitter today, it is true. It's just every it seems like once a month at least there's a new instance of MLB um putting short-term profits over the long-term health of the game and it's just it's really it's really getting disgusting at this point
1: i think this rule if if they do end up having expanded playoffs like going forward this will alienate a lot of fans in my opinion i i don't think I think they're overestimating the amount of like dumb people who are just super casual MLB watchers who are just going to be like, oh, dope playoff games, man. Like, I don't think that there are that many people who are going to feel that way about expanded playoffs. If you are at all a baseball fan, you get that like making the playoffs is very special and – it matters and we need to like treat it that way. I just, I really can't understand the logic of doing this to a system that has worked for so long and created so much drama.
0: Yeah, And I mean, I like, I like, I've always liked the wild guard, um, expansion. I always thought that was a good idea, but this is, this is just taking it too far. And, um, I mean, baseball is for better or for worse defined by the fact that it is so long and it is on every day for six months and if you cheapen those six months you're just destroying what baseball is i mean that is again this is why baseball isn't for everybody and it's why i never really get offended when people don't when people like are curious about why i like baseball so much it is every night and it is a grind but that is baseball and this would just totally make that meaningless for all but like four teams every single year. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So that sucks. Um so let's get into some questions and start talking about that. Uh we only have a couple yeah. today. Uh we did have one from uh Jacob who asked about Houk's potential to be a quality starter next year. Uh we talked a lot about Tanner Hokes, so I think you can get our answers to that one from that entire segment. Uh, we got another one from our friends over at Fish Stripes that is our sister site that covers the Marlins. Uh, they want to know if you think the Marlins are actually gonna make the playoffs.
1: I think so. Uh, they're uh, like they're they're in right now. Yeah they are in right now. I think it's fairly yeah it's not as close as I thought. Um,
0: I think they're probably gonna make it there's enough their pitching is good enough and there's little enough time that it is, uh, that they'll be good,
1: which is... Yeah, because, like, I'm not confident in the Phillies or the Giants or even the Cardinals. Well, it's not them. That like to, to push them. Yeah, it
0: would be, like, the Reds or...
1: I guess Milwaukee could Milwaukee. sneak in, but I think that one of those other teams... What I'm saying by those teams is that I think those teams are much more likely to get caught than they you. are. Yeah, I'll,
0: I'll be honest. Yeah. I haven't really paid that much attention to, uh teams other than the red sox this year i just have not really been able to get into it uh for reasons i will not get into here uh it's been miserable yeah it's it's it just feels gross uh jackson posey has our last question uh, an actual normal question this time to usually as oh, bizarre wow. ones uh he asks with sale rodriguez hauk etc our sliders become going to become the Red Sox next pitching thing, uh, like the Astros with high fastballs or the Pirates weird fastball curveball mix?
1: Um, I believe that the sliders are just a baseball thing. It's, you know, probably the most desirable, uh, I'm going to say, a breaking pitch in baseball. I mean, it seems to be the one that most people are willing to teach um and that has a lot of success i mean the the splitter has more success but it's just a a much more stressful pitch and a pitch that not as many guys learn so i just think it's getting get more common over all of baseball
0: yeah that's exactly what i was gonna say it's uh that's everywhere um yeah the red sox are actually a fastball curveball team for quite some time recently barnes and workman and colton brewer especially in the bullpen they were a weirdly high curveball team but that is sort of going away but yeah sliders are everywhere um so that is going to do it for this one uh i am forgetting what i'm supposed to say you are uh oh yeah uh, review subscribe uh rate i think i said that in the wrong order but you get it you hear this at the end of literally every podcast you've ever listened to uh you know the spiel please if you don't have anything nice to say don't say it at all uh you can follow us on twitter i am i run the uh over the monster account at over the monster jake is at dev jake uh you can find our writing at over the Monster.com. we are chugging away through the end of the season uh i will tell you as a writer, I cannot wait for the season to be over. I got some stuff planned for the off season, but uh, we are making our way through the end. We have stuff up there every day. Did I get everything? I think you did. Right, nailed it. We will see you next week.